0: got to do. Let's get into the show. Welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health freedom. In that light, I'm always interviewing influencers, uh, creators, people on the cutting edge, Getting those insights and sharing them with the world. So, today we have um, Steve Anderson, and he's the author of the best selling book, The Bezos Letters, where he deconstructs Jeff Bezos' 21 letters to Amazon shareholders through his unique lens of risk. So, he's a trusted authority on risk, technology, invention, innovation, a very exciting field. Um, so, it's going to be a great
1: conversation. So, Steve, welcome. Christopher, thank you so much uh, for having me on your show.
0: Yeah, I'm always uh, interested in people doing things on the cutting edge, and the internet and technology has allowed this to happen. Uh, tell us more about yourself, how you got started, and we'll go from
1: <clears throat> Uh Great. Well, my background is the insurance industry. Uh, I've spent uh, almost my entire career there, early on selling insurance, mostly to businesses. Uh, the last 25 years focusing on technology and how it can help and impact uh, independent insurance agents, uh, primarily in the U.S. Um, And that's where the germ of the idea for the book actually started, because we all know technology continues to develop rapidly. Um, That hasn't slowed down. And the question I started asking, uh, is the biggest risk businesses face actually not taking enough risk? And that. Simple question uh, started me on a journey of research and writing and really looking at what businesses have been successful in the past, but are no longer here and what happened and what businesses are continuing to be successful and what's the differences. And that's where I came across the Amazon shareholder letters that Jeff Bezos wrote, as you mentioned, starting in 1997. And then his last letter was 2020 as CEO of, of Amazon when he uh, stepped into a different role. And as I read those letters, it just struck me how much he shared about Amazon's story, not just success, but the the tools, the techniques, the processes, the mindset that allowed Amazon to continue to grow even today. Interesting,
0: uh, it's so much knowledge and wisdom there. Uh, uh, Bezos, Buffett, you know, Peter Thiel. One thing that you have um is this inter- this idea that um why Bezos is the master of risk and know how to know when you're taking too much or not enough
1: and. Coming out of the insurance industry, it's almost, you know, anathema, right? Because everything insurance is, is to mitigate risk, to reduce risk, transfer risk to an insurance policy. But there's a lot of risk in business that insurance can't touch. And what I realized with Jeff Bezos is that he took a lot of risks, and and you know we always kind of look at entrepreneurs, people starting new businesses, as risk takers. When in fact, a lot of times they're not taking enough risk. And so, one of the core tenets, and again, I have fourteen principles that I, you know, put together based on what I read, and the very first one is called encourage successful failure. Well. Typically, you don't hear the word success and failure in the same, you know, phrase. And so that was where I first started getting this idea that Bezos understood risk taking perhaps in a different way than most people approach it. Um, and, And he said in his letters actually several times that Amazon is the best place in the world for an employee to fail because they don't punish failure. They actually encourage it. And it's this idea of it is key to invention, which then allows innovation. Um, so a bunch of different thoughts, you know, kind of in that phrase. But uh, yeah, I, and I still think, you know, you look at Amazon and all the changes going on right now and, you know, they're still experimenting. They're still testing new ideas. They're still looking at how can they improve the experience for their customers. And again, so
0: much knowledge and wisdom. Um, you talk about um, so we you know, you talk about risk and then failure. Talk about the four key growth cycles that every successful company is always intentionally moving through. So,
1: what I did with you know, 14 principles is a lot. And so really I started looking at different principles impact different places where business is. So the four cycles where the principles are grouped, are test, build, accelerate, and scale. So in the test cycle, that's where we find encourage successful failure, uh, practice dynamic, uh, invention, and innovation. Those are the beginning parts. Um, And I believe every company, no matter if you've been around a long time or are brand new, are always going through these four cycles. You're always testing new ideas, certainly as a new business, You're just trying to figure out what's going to work, right? But even as an experienced business, I've been around a few years, one of the problems I have seen is that when a business finds a good idea, they tend to double down on that idea as opposed to testing new ideas, what's going to come next. And figuring that out, and, and I call it the hubris of success, meaning when a business is successful in a particular product or service, they tend to protect then that success, not figure out what else we can do. And Amazon's a great example of that because they've actually created multiple biz types of businesses between, right, consumer, online you know, e-commerce, that's kind of what they're known for. But then they created an entire new business in Amazon Web Services and cloud computing and right, all of those. And then they have built out an amazing logistics and infrastructure that they now are making available to other companies, making money on that, but they've already got the huge costs that they've invested. So that it really leads into that idea of, yes, double down on your success, and at the same time, figure out what's next. What else do customers want?
0: Yeah, always looking at the next thing. Uh, the other thing is, um, why is, uh, you know, a lot of people, especially the um, the traditional corporate, uh, they um, you talk about high-velocity decision-making. Why is uh, that? Uh,
1: you know, I'm smiling because... Uh, y- it's so in almost to any business, right? High velocity, <laughs> velocity, what does that mean? Well, for Bezos, it was one of the things he emphasized and a key for why Amazon was able to grow like they have. And so the way he described it is there are two types of decisions, type one, type two, right? Not very creative there, but type one decisions are, really bet the company decisions, meaning they're big, their implications are significant. And he said, those kinds of decisions need to be and should be taken slowly with as much information as you can gather before you actually make that decision, because they're almost irreversible. On the other hand, type two decisions are really just the opposite. They're almost that day-to-day decision-making that goes on in the company. But he says the problem is as a company grows, they get, in my words, not his, they get more bureaucratic, right? Think about the supervisor has to approve it before it goes to the manager, before it goes to the regional director, before it goes, right? You've got these layers of decision-making, and all that does is slow down growth. And so- Type two decisions are really 90%, 95% of the decisions made in a company. So they should be made fast by small teams, not big, huge teams, small teams, and that have the authority to make that decision and move forward. And it's not, you know, people get afraid of giving employees authority to make decisions. But the reality is, if it truly is a type two decision, and they make a wrong decision, or you don't like what they made, you just change it. It's kind of like no big deal, and I think that's, and, and they certainly practice that at Amazon. Um, I mean, they part of that small team is what they call a two pizza team, is is how is how big a team should be, meaning only the number of people that two large pizzas could feed for dinner or lunch or or whatever. And so, high velocity decision making. Actually, he comes back to that a number of different times throughout the letters, as a really important point in terms of helping businesses grow and helping them sustain that growth and not fall into, again, what he calls a a, a day two mindset.
0: Interesting. I've been uh, listening to some podcasts for a lot of uh, tech CEO, and they're talking about, especially during these times, um, you just want to survive and um you know stay resilient and basically execute quickly and um, keep your costs low and then basically uh de-layer everything so that everything gets executed
1: faster more mm-hmm. efficient. Like and that's exactly what this is talking about is that same kind of process but it's it, it is hard i'm i'm not saying it's easy um, and I think the bigger you become as a as a business, the harder it is to either give up that control or to trust your employees that they actually will make the quote right decision.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Also, talk about um, this uh, idea where um, we talk about what is the flywheel, what is what that is, and why it's Amazon's secret growth weapon.
1: So the flywheel principle is in the second cycle, which is build you know so kind of once we've tested we've got these ideas we we have an, an indication of the direction we're headed how do we actually accelerate and build on that idea so uh, the background of that is jim collins book good to great right probably on many business owners shelves or they've read it at some point you know in their career but chapter 8 of that book is called the flywheel and the doom loop now Go back to 2001, Jim Collins was invited by Jeff Bezos to an offsite senior leadership team retreat, and they spent one entire day just talking about the flywheel, and they worked on, they meeting the senior leadership team, literally drawing out Amazon's flywheel, and you can find a picture of it on the Amazon website. But it's the core in the middle is growth. That was Amazon's key kind of metric or what they wanted to accomplish. Bezos said very early on, we need to grow as fast as we can in order to take advantage of economies of scale, right? So that's kind of the idea behind it. And then the flywheel, I mean, think about it. A flywheel typically is a large, probably metal wheel that, takes a lot of energy to get going. It's heavy, it's big, but once you start moving it, it tends to start running on its own. So what was the components that helped Amazon move that flywheel and continue to grow? Well, first was their website, customer satisfaction with how easy it is to buy on Amazon's website. Now, again, this is early in 2001, but Amazon has spent billions of dollars making their website easy. In fact, when I ask people when I'm doing a, a presentation, you know, why do you buy on Amazon? Almost always, it's, it's just easy, right? So th- making that easy brings more customers in, primarily due to word of mouth. Now, kind of interesting side is Amazon early on did not advertise very much because they relied on customers' word of mouth to grow. More people that came in and bought on the site, the more product they sold, the more negotiating power they had with manufacturers in order to lower prices. So now another, so they came in, but now they're finding low prices and then add to that fast delivery, right? And those are three Amazon's customer pillars, wide selection, low prices, and fast delivery. And then... In order to continue to accelerate that, in 2001, they allowed third-party merchants to sell on their same pages that they were selling, Amazon was selling. And now today, that accounts for, numbers are a little squishy, but around 58 to 60% of all sales on Amazon are done by third parties. Crazy idea, allowing your competitors on your site to sell right next to you. I mean, Mm. think about that. I mean, that's just crazy. But here's what Bezos said. If it's better for the customer, hit a wrong button there, sorry. If it's better for the customer, it will be better for Amazon and our shareholders. Meaning if the third-party seller has a product and we don't have it in stock, it's better for the customer. If they have a price that's lower than us, it's better for the customer. And Amazon made money because they charged a fee for them to be on there, right? So that all of those inputs into the flywheel kept that flywheel spinning faster and faster, accelerating their growth, certainly in the 2000s um, and and even today.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Amazon, one of those uh, just modern day uh, tech success stories and uh, other other things is um, you talk about Amazon growth principles that are hidden in plain sight in the share owner letters, just briefly. and allowed.
1: well, I will, I will make a comment because you shifted also. So he started out the salutation as dear shareholder. And about 2006, he shifted to share owner. And, and he felt very passionate about stockholders should be owners and think like owners. And um, so I. Just, that's just a tiny little interesting shift in, in his mindset. But... Um, now I just lost the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> Amazon growth principles hidden in plain sight. hidden in plain sight. Mm-hmm. So most shareholder letters, all and I, I read quite a few, and I would say you mentioned earlier Warren Buffett's an exception, and I think Jeff Bezos is is an exception. Their letters are not just touting what the company did and their success, but both talk about or teach or help people understand uh, kind of what the why behind the numbers. And I didn't realize that until I literally sat down. And, and this is again, part of where the idea for the book came from. And I read through the letters in order, 48,000 words. It's a book, right? And there were um, threads of concepts that Wo- were woven throughout the letters and so I call them hidden in plain sight because they were there but the context of all the letters helped me at least under see them understand them and we traced actually the principles the 14 from the very first 97 letter all the way to the 2018 letter we were able to identify in the letters all 14 principles at in in incorporated into you know each of those letters which to me is just well obviously very interesting i wrote a book about it so yeah really
0: interesting and then one final question is um you know kind of this more inspirational or motivational is is why you'll never think or grow big enough if you're not
1: willing to risk failure you know we look back even long history You know, Thomas Edison is certainly people talk about in terms of his experiments and kind of that famous quote of his that's attributed to him. I'm not I I actually did some research. I'm not exactly sure he said it. But anyway, the quote is attributed to him where he said, um, you know, I haven't failed uh, 10,000 and I'm going to mess the quote up now, but I haven't failed 10,000 times. I now know 10,000 ways it won't work. And it's specifically related to, uh, related to, and he didn't invent the light bulb, but he invented the filament that made the light bulb commercially viable, right? So, all the different filaments, thousands and thousands, and he had notebooks after notebooks of experiments. So, it's failure after failure after failure that led to success. And that's the same idea at, at Amazon. And employees, are encouraged and expected to do similar things. They're encouraged to look at their piece of the Amazon universe and say, "How can I do this better? What can we do better?" And then bring that idea and and uh, and and. A lot of times, they become the champion of whatever idea they came up with. That's one of the ways employees get promoted. Maybe even early on, but they had a good idea. They were able to show how it could help and they, and they can move forward. And so that's a really, again, fairly unique mindset that Amazon has that more and more companies are starting to adopt because they see the success that can come from encouraging your employees. And I, I will say this. I firmly believe employees aren't afraid of failing. But they're afraid of the consequences of failing, meaning, is it going to ding my career? Is it going to not make me promotable? Is it right? All those kinds of things are really. But when you open that up or free them up, employees have great ideas a lot of the time. And sometimes the ideas are really crazy, but they are a germ of something that starts and becomes a really good idea. Yeah.
0: Very fascinating discussion on innovation technology. You know, it's really uh, high risk, high reward. But it's you know very fascinating to see the trends over the last you know twenty years or so. Uh, how can people follow you, visit your website, and or contact you?
1: Sure. Well, the book's available, and again, the book is called The Bezos Letters: Fourteen Principles to Grow Your Business Like Amazon. It's on Amazon. <laughs> Probably the easiest place to find it. The book website with some additional resources and information is Bezosletters.com. And then my primary platform uh, is LinkedIn. And so I'd love to connect with any of you that uh, might be listening. Just let me know uh, that you heard me on the podcast and uh, I'll be glad to connect with you.
0: And for all the listeners out there, uh, Steve's Resources will be in the links and show notes. Um, be sure to check out the book on Amazon, uh, follow him on social media, check out his website. Um, and with that, uh, thanks so much for a great discussion and thanks for coming on to the podcast. Christopher, thanks for having me. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you wherever you are listening. We're on everywhere, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible, and without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.